Introducing your starting lineup for the NBA's Most Valuable Podcast. He's a 5'10 forward out of Carleton University. Give it up for Bradford. Welcome back, everybody. It's a Saturday afternoon. This is the NBA's most valuable podcast, and we got a lot to talk about, even though it's been a slow week in basketball. Then the NBA championship has finally been concluded with the Lakers winning their 17th, or I guess, yeah, 17th NBA championship, LeBron James finals MVP. So now that the season's been wrapped up, we can do a lot of speculation in terms of some of the best players in the league. We can talk about, you know, what moves potentially teams can make. And we're going to have a lot of off-season contents coming for all the listeners and viewers coming forward. But first, I just want to ask, yo, Jeff, how you doing, bro? I'm doing great. Um, what an amazing end to the NBA season. First of all, um, I want to give a shout-out to the NBA in – being able to bring back basketball despite the circumstances of the pandemic, yeah. uh, zero cases. Um, and, you know, it, from what I've heard from the players, everyone's been treated um, with everything's been very efficient and taking care of the, the players, the staff, the family members. So shout out Adam Silver. Um, you know, with the circumstances that's going on in the world, we were able to see some great basketball. And what a like a perfect ending. And by the way, I called it Lakers winning the championship and yeah. LeBron James finals MVP. <laughs> yeah, you, you definitely called it. And you said it beautifully. Like the fact that the NBA was able to complete the season, you know, at one point the season was in jeopardy. We didn't even know if basketball was going to come back. So the fact that they were able to do this with zero cases throughout the bubble the whole time with a couple of hiccups of some players picking up Uber Uber Eats from like the line or, you know, we got Lemon Pepper Lou picking up some chicken wings in Atlanta. And then we also also had the Danielle House uh, fiasco. Mm. So besides all of those like little speed bumps, there were no positive cases. And, you know, it was a storybook ending to the NBA season after everything that's gone on throughout this year, you know, in terms of dealing with this global pandemic dealing with the loss of Kobe Bryant and then of course you know the social unrest in America I think it was a perfect end to the NBA season so I guess we'll start right there with how the NBA season ended with the uh, Lakers and the Miami Heat talk so in terms of the series you know it's been a while since we've hopped on the podcast obviously because we had a little little a holiday and Canadian Thanksgiving and we've been a little bit busy 
but we we did miss some uh, key moments in the finals there, like in terms of Danny Green and Markeith Morris making <laughs> some blunders in the playoffs. Like, I guess we can start there. Like, it's just weird how a guy like Danny Green, who's a proven sniper, and he he was like lighting up the Heat in 2013, I believe. Mm-hmm. He was lighting them up for like NBA Finals records and three point shots. Like, what just happened? Like, he he had an open look. No, no, pretty much like a layup for him because he's such a good three-point shooter, but he completely missed it. And then we had Markeith Morris over here pulling the J.R. Smith and uh, throwing the ball out of bounds. So I guess we can start there. Like, wh- what happened there? Well, that was a very disappointing game um, because, you know, the Lakers came out with, you know, the Kobe jerseys and – you know, I was so set on the idea that they're going to win at this game. Um, LeBron James, 40 points, a 40-point game, 13 rebounds, 7 assists. Like, he was on a mission. He was dominating. Like, this is, like, whenever people were, like, criticizing uh, LeBron's game during regular season or even early on in the playoffs where he was acting a little passive or, you know, not being aggressive. And, you know, even I would have those frustration, uh, frustrating moments Um at those times, I also always knew though that he when it ta- when it mattered he was going to turn up, and clearly like that game and the and the NBA Finals he was on a mission to end the series that game he was so aggressive he was hitting those shots when when LeBron is hitting like those tough contested three point shots you know you know he's on a mission you know that he he really 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 wanted to win that game um, AD also had twenty eight points. Um, and even KCP was playing well, but in the last few minutes, you know, like, well, first of all, give props to the Heat. They were pushing, they were pushing. Jimmy Butler was playing well. Um, Duncan Robinson was splashing threes. Yep. But when it came down to the final play, the final play, um, so I'm going to replay the seat, the, the scene where LeBron James, the, the ball was inbounded to LeBron James. Uh, he went for a pick and roll with Danny Green, which I thought he should have went pick and roll with AD. Um, but the play was for LeBron and AD. LeBron drove to the lane yep. and had three guys on him. And LeBron, with his vision, one of the best playmakers of all time, dished it to Danny Green, who was wide open. Wide open doesn't get that much open more open yeah like literally like lebron like gave him so much space because he was drawing a triple team passed it to danny green hit goes for the shot misses from yeah markeith morris grabs the rebound um lebron james was like waving for the ball um if you saw on the right side he decides to like throw the ball like um, to AD, but AD was not in the position where he, like a stable position where he could grab that ball and the ball went just out of bounds and it was just a turnover. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is basically another JR moment. Um, and you touched on Danny Green. I don't understand like what happened to Danny Green because you're right. In 2013 with the San Antonio Spurs, he was splashing it for them. Like he was money and LeBron would have loved that version of Danny Green on this team 
if he but, was even half as good. Yeah, but he he's missing like I think uh, I can't remember his statistics on his three point percentage, but like definitely not Danny Green average. No, no, and like it's been now it's been like I would say two years in a row, like because he was doing kind of that like that type of thing with the Raptors too. He was disappointing me last year, and then with the Lakers, he's been really disappointing and. I mean, Laker fans have been ripping him apart, right? But, like, I felt like he, sh- Markeith Morris should have been ripped even more. Because, like, what was that? Like, mm-hmm. what was that? <laughs> like, either, like, go for the shot or – and it wasn't like there was, like, a – there's he, sh- he still had, like, a decent amount of time where he could have, like, looked around and found a way better uh, decision with the ball rather than literally throw it out of bounds. Like, I couldn't believe that. Um, and I was shaking my head. I was, I was starting to get a little worried. I was like, no, 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 please. please. <laughs> no, I, that, like, that should not happen to LeBron. Like, that's not fair. Like, he worked his butt off. Like, and that happened. Like, I can't imagine what was said in the locker room, you know? You, you see those uh, locker room videos usually that yeah. drop in the finals by uh, RDC World 1? RDC. Oh, my God. He is hilarious. <laughs> my favorite one of the, those videos was when J.R. Smith made that uh, blunder in Cleveland. Yeah. My, that was my favorite video that they ever did. Yeah. I, <laughs> he, like, encaptures what most of us would think LeBron would be would want to do. I don't think he would actually do that, but like I felt like he, like just in his head, just the stuff that he's in in the past two NBA finals he's been now, like yep. it's not bad. Where like a blunder like that that is completely due to his the incompetence of his um, teammate. And by the way, I just want to address it, and like we can go deeper into this when we have our LeBron versus Michael Jordan debates. But LeBron, like. LeBron didn't, shouldn't have taken that shot. Like, I mean, like he made the oh, right 100%, decision. He 100%. made the right basketball decision. Like, he had a triple team. Talking about people, like the the haters are talking about, like, oh, he, Kobe would have shot. Like Michael Jordan would take that shot. No, like he made the smart NBA basketball play. Like, one hundred percent. And Jordan would make that pass too. Kobe yeah. would make that pass too. Yeah. And they've made those passes in their careers. Like you know, Kobe Bryant to Metal World Peace. You know, in the finals. You know, Jordan to John Paxson, Steve Kerr, they make the pass. It's it's a very um, one-sided, or not one-sided, but it's a very, um, there's a misconception with star players taking the last shot in an NBA Finals game just because Jordan did it before. That like At the end of the day, it's about making the right basketball play. And mm-hmm. LeBron did make that play because Danny Green was wide open. I mean, albeit... You know, KCP was wide open in the corner too, and he was flaming that that game. So, I, I would have said that KCP. I think she should have gotten the ball, but you can't get a better look than Danny Green at the top of the key, wide open. But I guess if we're talking about Danny Green in 2020, it's not a good look because he missed, and he he struggled a lot throughout the finals. So it's lucky. It's very, I guess, not lucky. I don't want to say it's lucky that the Lakers pulled it out because I think they really. Bl- they really deserved to win this finals, but yeah. you know, Which, eh, so the, the bad play, the bad teammates like that LeBron and James has had to play with. It's kind of unfortunate. Like, you know, he, he took one team to the finals with the Cavs and who's his second best player, like Mo Williams. 
Mo Williams <laughs> yeah. a good player, no disrespect, but yeah. that's not that's not a championship level team. Like, come on. Actually, I don't even think he went to the finals with Mo Williams. I take it back. He went to the finals with like Booby Gibson, Anderson Verja, Drew Gooden, Ilgauskas, and yeah. uh, I think it was Larry Hughes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> LeBron is, you know, to, to be fair to LeBron, like, we, again, we can talk about the GOAT debate another time, but he hasn't had the quality of teammates, I think, that Jordan has had in his career. I'll just leave that nugget out there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, which leads us to game six, and that was the clinching game for the Lakers in – that they just dominated. Um, they, the, it's like it, it felt like the Heat almost gave up, or well, partly due to that, and then also on the other hand, like the Lakers' defense just turned up to another level. Anthony Davis was a monster on defense. Uh, LeBron James, of course, clutch triple double. You know the haters are going to ignore that, but 28, 14, and ten. Yep, impressive, and. Give got to give a shout out to KCP with 17 points and Rajan Rondo playoff Rondo, very playoff very Rondo bro. Yeah, like he um he he's here's the thing like I like this is why I really value IQ like like Rondo's not gonna be the most one of the more athletic guards or you know he's not gonna be like a very like like a Steph Curry or anything like that with terms of shooting, but Rondo's IQ really helps the team in terms of, you know, <laughs> and this speaks to the volume of like the type of players the Lakers have, but like, like Rondo's definitely like the second smartest player on the team, like yeah. in terms of basketball IQ. And that's really, really valued when there are players like Kuzma on your team. <laughs> Dion Waiters, Jr. Smith. No, no disrespect. Again, basketball players—they're leagues ahead of us. But Come basketball on, like, Q is—it's a thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like having—I think that really helped the Lakers team have like, like, not, so the relieve some pressure away from LeBron James in terms of like you can trust Rondo with the playmaking. Yep. Um, and then he's been hitting some shots. Like he, you, you can't. Leave, leave him open from three like yeah. he can't hit those shots like you know so um he was big a sh- man rondo was like prime rondo that night actually honestly he played better than prime rondo because prime rondo is not hitting threes prime rondo is not like that active on both ends like i mean he was a defensive terror back in his day but I think the biggest thing that stood out for me in terms of rondo was just how many loose balls he was able to get on the offensive rebounds yeah he he was just tipping the ball so many times to his teammates and that's like a six foot guard getting the offensive rebound over this Miami Heat team like it's not even like the guys like Anthony Davis I mean he did have some offensive rebounds but it was always Rondo that stuck stood out to me because his impact on the floor went beyond his like scoring numbers and the Lakers played like a better team when he was on the floor so it was very deserved that he was the one to raise the trophy that that's after like game six because you know he's not going to be the mvp obviously but right. he's like their team's low-key mvp i'd say because the lakers looked like a completely different team when they had rondo versus when they didn't they really needed that second playmaker alongside lebron james and ad 
and even to like come off the bench. They just needed that guy to bring energy on the defensive end, make good passes, and then score when he when score when like the opportunities are there, picking his spots. So Rondo definitely deserves a lot of credit, and I hope he gets another contract. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to sign him for anything long term, but he's definitely a player that in the right system, in the under the right coach, he's a valuable player, and. I just want to touch also on like LeBron James just because, you know, we like to talk about LeBron a lot on this podcast, but mm-hmm. people are going to obviously bring up the fact that his numbers were like very tame in comparison to his other NBA finals. And I'll just say this, he's putting up 29.8. He put up 29.8 points, 11.8 rebounds, 8.5 assists in that series. And sure tame by LeBron standards but the fact that we're saying that's tame by LeBron standards is a testament to his greatness because those numbers put up by anybody else we're gonna be talking like wow great series but because we've gotten so used to LeBron James you know doing the same thing in the finals goddamn nearly every year we we're taking it for granted almost I'd feel so like I just feel like people need to appreciate the greatness in the moment and absolutely that's LeBron James Another finals MVP and deservingly so deservingly. The people that would say that AD should have deserved finals MVP. No, please stop AD. He was very crucial in terms of his defense that he played. He was a defensive disruptor and he was a walking mismatch, but Lakers don't win this series without LeBron in terms of LeBron's play and what he did taking over. Mm Mm-hmm. He's not the, the Lakers are not doing anything without LeBron James. And yeah. I think the Lakers would be a better team with LeBron James by themselves rather than with Anthony Davis by themselves. Absolutely. I was like I said in the I think the last episode that like you take away LeBron James, I don't even know if the Lakers are a playoff team. Yeah. Like for that's sure. how dominant LeBron James is. Like don't get me wrong, Anthony Davis is a very like good player. He's a top mm-hmm. 5 player. Like spoilers. But, you know, Anthony Davis, he's a guy that puts up the good numbers. He's great efficiency, but I don't think he's a player that necessarily lifts a team on his own. He's more of a ceiling raiser rather than a floor raiser, if we can get to terminology. Because him on his own, like you, you saw all those years in the, with the Pelicans, the one season he was very successful, they, I think they made it to the second round. But that's it. He, he hasn't really had much playoff success outside of this one year he's gotten the title with LeBron. So people need to give LeBron James his damn respect, like he said. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, another note I wanted to say about the Game 6, though. Why was J.R. Smith the first person to touch the trophy? <laughs> <laughs> he deserves it, bro. What do you mean? Bro, I could not believe it. I was watching the whole thing and then um, literally presented the NBA trophy. And this guy, bro, this man comes like peeking out from the left side, looking at the trophy, and then has the audacity <laughs> to be the first man to touch it. I was like, what? And then this guy, he, I think he realized halfway through, like, oh, shit, like, I shouldn't be the first one. Sh- yeah, it sh- shouldn't like, be gave it, gave it to Rondo, but still, he touched it first. I was like, you I know- was like why? <laughs> I would harp on JR a little bit more, but I, I do feel kind of bad for him because like, I don't know if you saw JaVale McGee's vlog that he put posted, but he posted Not a vlog of like the night they won a championship and JR the whole time he looked like so sad. 
he was just like, yo, I had to quadruple down to get in this point. Like, obviously, he looked very drunk and potentially high in that moment. Mm-hmm. But, yo, I felt bad for JR in that time because, like, he looked, like, legit sad. So, I mean, I don't know what's, what merit there is to that, but I, f- I felt bad for him. But, again, yeah, he probably shouldn't have been the guy that t- to touch <laughs> the trophy first. He probably should have been someone else. Yeah. Um, and then, like, man, LeBron's speech, like, because first of all, like, it wasn't, he wasn't even celebrating that much for a championship. Like, yeah, he obviously he was, especially in the locker room and shit, but like, he just seemed so, like, the, especially his speech about, like, get, he, he, it's about time he gets some respect too. Yeah. Like, you know, like, that was just a very, like, powerful statement to me. Because I was like, wow, like he's just like, he just wanted to prove his haters wrong. And I don't know if you've watched Eddie Undisputed lately, but Skip is still on the hate train. In fact, the night of the championship, Skip Bayless posted a picture of Michael Jordan that night. And I was like, come on, bro. Like, you are a professional hater. Like, you know, Skip does it for the show, but I mean, at the end of the day, I think he's he's inside of him. He's a LeBron lover. I think he likes LeBron. Because if you saw his, like, sneaker shopping with Complex, he bought some LeBrons that day. Mm. So, I feel like he's he has to do it for his show. Mm-hmm. And he has to do it to get the views. Like, he has to say these controversial things. But at the end of the day, he'll, he'll come around when LeBron James retires. Mark my words on that. We'll see. And, um... Also, on that show, Shannon Sharp talking to well, I don't know if you heard what he said about Kyle Kuzma, but like, well, just like how like like Kuzma needs to be gone because like this man did like nothing. He didn't, and like it, he he was shooting the lights out, man. Like I mean, not like the first couple of games, but he came around. He had two points in the final game, I believe. He did. Yeah, let me see. Oh, I have shit. Two I, points. I <laughs> Yo, I, I'm not going to lie. I didn't really watch the game six that hard because it was already over by the second quarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. But, man, like, I don't know. Like, Kuzma. <laughs> hey, man. We'll he he still deserves his ring at the end of the day. I he, guess. he still contributed. But, I um, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think we're pretty much uh, set on the NBA Finals topic there. I just want to note shortly that uh, Bronny did get grounded for uh, his um, his blunt. <laughs> oh, is that uh, an inside source? Fiasco, <laughs> not an inside source. Apparently, Odell Beckham inadvertently uh, inadvertently revealed it oh, because yeah, uh, I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> he was uh, streaming on Twitch. He was streaming uh, Call of Duty Warzone, and then uh, one person in the stream asked, "Like, oh, is, isn't Bronny supposed to be here?" And then Odell's like, "Nah, he couldn't make it." So uh, <laughs> the speculations that he got his grounding, you know, the belt maybe, who La knows? Belt, but <laughs> yeah. Anyways, we spent a little bit too much time on the NBA Finals. Real quick before we get to our next segment, we just um gonna have to talk about some NBA offseason news before we move on to the NBA top ten, our NBA top ten players of 2020. So we gotta talk a little bit off season news. I guess we can start with the Clippers because we love to uh, hate the Clippers. Um, Tyron Lue, our boy Tyron Lue, got a five-year job with the mm. Los Angeles Clippers. 
And there's been lots of drama around the team lately with guys like uh, Montrez Harrell and Tyron or Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams, apparently uh, not liking the preferential treatment that Kawhi is getting. Apparently Kawhi has been driving from San Diego to LA to get to practice and to get to team flights, assuming it is a little Chevy Tavo. And he's been late for flights a bunch of times and that's been irking his teammates. And the load management has also been uh, irritating for the teammates as well. Inside sources from Shams Karania in at the athletics. So you can take that with whatever grain of salt you want to, but mm-hmm. he seems like a pretty real, like a uh, reliable source in my opinion anyway. So is this a good hiring for the Clippers or are they just like running circles around their team here? Well, it goes back to what I said, I think, in the last episode is that, like, the egos, like, the responsibility of a job in, uh, sorry, a coaching job in today's NBA is more on managing egos. And Tyron Liu, man, he, I really don't see anything special about him as a coach. To get a five-year deal... It's just, it must be clearly about having a guy who can, like, who's cool with the players, yep. who the players like, and then just, like, being able to basically let them do whatever they want. Because when you think about it, when in those type of situations, like, for example, when Tyron Lue was coaching uh, the Cavaliers, LeBron was really coaching that team. Yeah, like, 100%. So I guess in this case, this is going to allow Kawhi to really dictate the way they play. I'm guessing that's how it's going to be Kawhi and Paul George. Cause I don't know. Like he's just, I don't, I know to be like, we were like, like I said earlier, like I don't think Doc Rivers is that great of a coach either, but like the Tyron Lou, especially like, I don't see anything special about him. So I don't know. There's not, I don't, there's not really much to say about it. Like, that's who they wanted, and um, if anything, it allows Kawhi more freedom. Mm. I don't know. I don't know, man. Kawhi doesn't talk a lot, so when Teron Lou asks him, like, hey, Kawhi, what are we going to do for this play? And then Kawhi's going to just deadpan. <laughs> so, I mean, in terms of Teron Lou hiring, uh, getting hired as the head coach of this team, I don't really put too much stock in him doing a good job here because – Number one, this roster is already like built to win. So any success that he's gonna have, Doc Rivers probably would have had about as much success. And in terms of like Teron Lou's ability to push this team over the hump, he's not much different from Doc Rivers in terms of a coach. They're very similar in terms of their player, um, their player-friendly approach, where they're able to like massage egos and. Teron Lou is from the family of Doc Rivers' head coaching lineage. You know, he's been an assistant with Doc Rivers for many years in like other teams, like Boston, for example, and I think maybe Orlando, but I'm not too sure on that. So I'm not gonna like put that out there. But Teron Lou is not gonna make much of a difference, man. He's not a he's not a X's and O's guy, like you know some of the better coaches in the league, like Nick Nurse or um, Brad Stevens, even guys like yep. Terry Stotts. He, he's not a good coach. He's just a guy that's going to say, all right, guys, let's keep it up. You know, he's going to be like clapping. He's, he's going to be doing a bunch of things that are just to like keep morale up. And while that's important to have a coach like that on your team 
to have him as your head coach, especially after departure from Doc Rivers, it's not much of an upgrade, if it's an upgrade at all. It this might be a downgrade. This isn't like a Dwayne Casey firing for Nick Nurse, who's the better tactical co- coach. Like This is just nothing. You're getting <laughs> you know? Doc Rivers 2.0, essentially. Yeah. And it's good that the Clippers brought on uh, apparently they're bringing on Chauncey Billups and Larry Drew. Chauncey Billups is someone that knows the game, I think. And he's been looking for a, a front office or head, head coaching job in the NBA for a while. So it'll be interesting to see how Chauncey Billups influences the team. And Larry Drew has been a head coach in the league for a while too. So, uh, albeit not a very successful one. So in terms of this, this hiring is kind of meh for me. I'm kind of indifferent, although... Toronto is not very different from Doc Rivers. So in terms of the results, I don't think you can expect much to change in LA. Yeah, I agree. Yep. And in terms of other news we have to get to before we talk about the top 10, we also got to talk about the Rockets because they are in a very weird predicament now because uh, their head coach left, Mike D'Antoni left, and now Daryl Morey is set to step down. So the the architect of this um, radical small ball lineup is flying the coop and the Rockets are now in a strange position where they have two superstars or superstars, if you want to call them superstars in their prime and two contract or well, one contract anyway, that's really not movable virtually with uh, Russell Westbrook, unless you want to get creative, but they're at a crossroads here where they had this team that was built entirely by Maury and now they have to bring on a new regime. So I guess like this con- this conversation can go on for a while, but like what are just your initial reactions to Maury leaving Houston? Well, um, this is going to be, I don't know the next direction of the Rockets, you know, Daryl Maury, you know, the whole analytical approach like like the number games and how they built their team was around his idea a philosophy it's a culture in Houston um this is going to completely change things in terms of the direction of the team um they've got James Harden Russell Westbrook you know what are they going to do with them and like how many more years of contending do they have until they have to start all over um you know they have they're in a space where they're going to be just mediocre like they're not going to be a title contender i don't in the current construction of their team they're not a title contender mm-hmm. um so are you going to settle for a few more years of mediocrity before you're going to have to rebuild or just get like avoid delaying the rebuild and start immediately get some assets for Russell Westbrook um James Harden I believe he's going to be a free agent next year No he oh, no, he's, after, he's committed long term Or the year after Oh true okay I think no. he he's set to expire the same year Westbrook is I believe so that's 2022, something like that. Yeah. 2023 or 24, something oh, like 23, that. Oh, 23, 24. Oh, okay. He, he's, he's here for the next like three, four years, I, I think. He is? Oh, okay. 
Um, do you trade James Harden? No. You, no. no. I'll, t- I'll tell you what. Um, the way I see the Rockets right now, I look at them a lot like the Raptors were a couple of years ago in terms of like running into a team, running, to, running into like playoff, I guess, disappointments year after year. The Raptors had that every year with, when they played, played LeBron James. So they, they were just unfortunately matching up with teams that were like a lot better than them. So like the Warriors, for example, beat them every year, but they came very close one year one game away from making the finals and potentially winning a championship if it wasn't for maybe Chris Paul's injury and breaking like 30 wide open threes that's that's how close they were and look at it this season you know they were a little overmatched against this Lakers team that just had the walking mismatch that is Anthony Davis so I don't think the answer is to trade a guy like James Harden because if you're trading James Harden you're definitely not recuperating enough value that James Harden is putting on the basketball floor for you. He's still an MVP, a perennial MVP candidate. You know, albeit he had his postseason blunders, but guys like Dirk Nowitzki had had their share of playoff blunders in the in the past. And then one year they were able to put it all together, and the stars aligned, and Dallas won the championship. I could see something going for the Rockets in that sense, where one year they maybe be able to put it all together. But, you know, we've talked about Westbrook's fit with Harden on this podcast. I mean, you went in on, on Russell Westbrook one episode, so we, we don't need to touch on that too much. But I just feel that it would be a big mistake to let go of James Harden right now because he's in the prime of his career. He's still putting up great numbers in the regular season. It's just about finding the right system to play because the threes only approach and the small ball approach is not working. And mm-hmm. they, they also got to just find players that fit around James Harden a little bit better. So, you know, it's going to be hard to move Westbrook, but a team like New York would probably, you know, want a guy like Westbrook because he brings that star power and it would somewhat make New York relevant again. But they just got to find players like in the, in the second round of, of the draft or undrafted like players. Raptors. Like the Raptors have done, you know, See, like OKC with Dort. Yeah, They need to do that because at this point, their kind of financial flexibility is very thin. Like they don't really have many moves they can make. They've traded away all of their assets. You know, they don't have their pick for like a couple of years in the first round. So they got to get really creative with what their, their scouting department can find for them. You know, and they've found guys like um, Clint Capella before. So you, you have hope. I mean, even uh, Chandler Parsons was good for them one year before he got his, like, super deal. So the Rockets, they got to find a way to find talent without, you know, signing people because they can't. So I I just think it would be a big mistake to trade Harden right now. See, that's what I'm trying to – well, you mentioned the Raptors and their lull against fighting, how they've had playoff matchups that didn't favor them. And comparing that to the Rockets, the the difference though was like the Raptors had great management in mm-hmm. that they were able to find players like a Fred Van Fleet, a Pascal Siakam, um, Terrence Davis this year. You know, with the Rockets, like they don't have like those comp like players like that where like there's promise like that. They have like 
mediocre complementary players who were specifically brought in for a specific role in a system that at the end of the day did not work out because clearly the person who orchestrated all of that is now gone. So this is a team with no identity, currently no um, no one to lead the future of the franchise as of right now. Um, they've got James Harden, which you're right. I, I only threw out the idea that like just in case, but like ultimately I do agree with you. Like James Harden is the face of Houston. Um, but what do you do from there? I really would have to say what Westbrook has to be traded for assets. Like mm-hmm. if you can get any. If you can, yeah, like his his stock's probably really low. Like you're not gonna get what OKC got in that trade, you know? Like no way. The best you can do is find complementary players that fit James Harden's game. Now, what is that? Like, what's the perfect fit? You know, they've in the past James Harden. They've tried Dwight Howard with uh, James Harden. wasn't the greatest fit. Um, they Chris Paul was my, in my opinion, the the best fit. Mm-hmm. Um, but chemistry they, wasn't great though. Chemistry wasn't great, but like he was like a good guard to have. But like they traded that for West, Russell Westbrook. Um, to me, I think, I mean, no, I'm gonna be throwing out the name Anthony Davis as just like an example of a player. He, they're not gonna get Anthony, but like. Just someone who can be a big man who can create his own offense where, like, it relieves some of the pressure away from James James Harden. So with James Harden's game, right, especially with Russell Westbrook, one of the things that affects James Harden um, and puts a lot more pressure on James Harden is people are not going to guard Westbrook from the three-point line. He's not a threat, Right. So because of that, that people are more likely to double team James Harden. If you can find a player, he doesn't have to be as like a J- Anthony Davis, but can he, if he can be like a consistent threat at a certain position, whether it's like posting up or stretching the floor, yeah. that can relieve some of the pressure from James Harden and then also have complementary players who can knock down their shots and play defense. That is the best case situation for uh, James Harden and also finding someone who could be like like the Rondo to LeBron James find that secondary playmaker with good IQ because like I said before Russell Westbrook IQ do not belong in the same sentence so you need to wow. find someone <laughs> with good IQ you just IQ. called him dumb <laughs> I didn't say you said that not me <laughs> no I didn't say he was dumb you said he was dumb I said he's like IQ and Russell basketball Westbrook. IQ not IQ okay fine okay but that's what I'm trying to say is like get someone with good basketball IQ on the team who can also relieve some of that pressure basically what I'm saying is relieve the stress and pressure away from James Harden that's the best case for Houston to be a contender for the next few years while James Harden is on the team I got two names for you, okay? Not that the Rockets can probably make a move for either of these guys, but these are like two people I view that would probably be a great fit alongside James Harden, okay? So, number one, I think Malcolm Brogdon is the right guard to put Mm -hmm. right beside James Harden Mm because he's a good facilitator on his own. hes I don't think he's a guy you lead your offense with, but he's that secondary playmaker 
He can defend. And it's been proven when he plays alongside some high-volume scorers like Giannis, for example, his efficiency goes through the roof. So a guy like Malcolm Brogdon would be a luxury for the Rockets right now. And in terms of like a big man, I think Pascal Siakam is like the perfect fit alongside James Harden too because Mm -hmm. as a number two option, he's proven. He's proven as a very solid number two option in terms of his efficiency, just the way he's able to score as a second option. I think he'd be perfect alongside James Harden too. But the Rockets can't make a move for either of those guys. They have no assets to trade for those players. Like the the Raptors are not like the best case is the Westbrook gets offered, but we're not taking what Russell. We're Westbrook. not taking Westbrook for shit, bro. We're gonna <sighs> give him what? Let's give him Patrick McCaw. But I'd still wouldn't do that trade because Westbrook would be like, uh, I don't want to use the word like, a cancer, but he he would be toxic to the locker room. I think for the Raptors, and he would just not fit our style at all. So I I don't want Westbrook at all. But he would shoot us out of the game. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> but those are just two guys I think that would fit alongside James Harden. They need to find players like that outside of the draft, you know, as a undrafted free agents or second rounders, you know, international signings maybe. That's, those are the type of players they need to look for. Defensive versatility, offensive versatility that can go alongside James Harden. And they need to abandon that one-dimensional style they have of just chucking threes because it doesn't work in the playoffs championship level teams need to play on three levels you know inside mid-range outside yeah so i mean that's our little rocket rant but all i can say is houston we have a problem (laughs) i was waiting for that oh god yeah (laughs) so now that we got our little space troubles out of the way and by the way I'm coming to you live from the International Space Dis- Space Station. So, um, but that's besides the point. Let's get to our NBA top 10 players of 2020. Um, now that the season's over, I feel like mm-hmm. it's a very ripe time for us to discuss who are the best players in the league are. And we, we already saw the all-NBA teams, but we also have our own criteria in terms of who we view as the best players. Like, I'll just go over mine real quick. I mean, you have to be elite at least on one end of the floor, whether it's offense or defense. Mm. And it's more likely in today's NBA that the top players are going to be more offensive-oriented. So if you're a player that's completely locked down on defense, you're probably not going to make it into this top 10. And if you're a two-way player, you might be a little bit higher, you might be a little bit lower, depending on um, the offensive or defensive value that some players bring to the court. Mm-hmm. So, I guess we'll we'll start start um, going over like maybe ten through seven, four through six, and then one through three. Oh, okay. So we'll break it down like that. Okay, sure. Instead of like, because going over one by one, it might take a little too long. So we're just gonna break it down that way. So mm-hmm. I'll drop ten through seven in my list first. So at number ten, I've got Joel Embiid. Okay. At number Whoa. nine, I've got Jimmy Butler. Whoa. And then okay. at number eight, I've got Damian Lillard. Uh-huh. Then number seven, I've got Luka Doncic. Ooh. Okay, so let me explain myself. Embiid at 10, I think it's fair. He could be anywhere from like, in my opinion, he can be as high as eight. 
because the way he affects mm-hmm. the floor on the defensive end, it's it's he has he's a two way player. It's just the system he's playing in right now and the fit alongside Ben Simmons is very questionable. So I feel like it's not maximizing his talent. But the fact is, when he's on the court, he's a difference maker. Like like besides the fact that the Sixers flamed out in the playoffs, he still hung like thirty points a game on them, with like thirteen plus rebounds and making an impact on the defensive end. It's just Boston overwhelmed them. And your reaction to the Jimmy Butler um, ranking, honestly, mm. initially, I had Jimmy at 10. I'm mm. going to say that because I don't want to fall into the recency bias of yeah, that's what Jimmy I'm Butler. <laughs> yeah. But the fact is, when I looked at his impact on winning versus Embiid, I just think Jimmy Butler was like a little bit better. His playmaking and his impact on this Miami Heat roster in terms of like getting players to work hard, he just impacts winning in a positive way. So I had to put him up there. And honestly, Dame at eight, he could have been higher too, but it's just he he had a pretty down season in terms of injuries and stuff. And, you know, it didn't help that the Blazers kind of flamed out this year. But he, he is a top player in terms of offense. You build your entire offense around Dame Lillard. And it's gonna be pretty good. <laughs> do you have any other? Do you have any other gripes of my ten through seven there? Like L- Luca might be a little bit high there. Yeah, yeah. I will say that that's that's a little a bit of the Luca fan coming out there, because mm-hmm. like I, I've I haven't made it a secret that I am one of the biggest Luca Doncic fans, but. He engineers the Dallas offense that's like historically good. And in terms of his like leap that he made this year from, you know, like rookie of the year to now MVP candidate. And I will say he is the early favorite in terms of betting odds to win the MVP next year in terms of that stuff. And just the impact he had on his, this team's success. I think it's, you know, it's it was a little controversial to put him up as high as seven right now, but I'm confident putting him there because he, honestly, he's like probably one of the top five players in the league right now. He's going to be a top five player, but um, before I tell you mine, I would like to say there are two players in your top that I'm already surprised that is in your top ten because Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid, there are in my view at least 10 players above them. Wow. Yes, both. Both. They're not even in my top 10. No way. Um, And I'll explain why. So Jimmy Butler, um, even removing recency bias aside, like he is a very, very, I've always respected his game. I've always valued his leadership, his intensity, but he's, and he's, he's a good closer. But is he a superstar? I don't. <sighs> he doesn't put up the superstar numbers, numbers in the regular season. Yeah, but when it's when it comes down to winning time, and I think that's also what I valued a lot in this um, list here is like not just regular season, yeah, but playoffs as well. Like who who can perform in the playoffs and in the regular season? And while Jimmy Butler is not putting up the sexy numbers that a lot of yeah. super regular superstars anyway put up. I think he impacts winning enough and also, you know, elevates his game in the postseason to warrant but, top but, 10 spot. 
but he has the luxury of having great complementary players around him, like having um, a like a Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, uh, Duncan Robinson, um, and then with even with um, when he joined the Philadelphia was traded to the Philadelphia 76ers, he was traded to that team to not necessarily be their consistent best player, which speaks to the type of way that like many people view Jimmy Butler. He is a perfect complementary player. He's the perfect, like the perfect model uh, player you'd want on your team that isn't a super superstar, right? Like he's like everything you'd want, um, but he isn't like a top 10 player. And on another note, you have Joel Embiid. And I, you mentioned how criteria was uh, like having like good playoff success and that type of stuff, which is you can, I can, you, I can give that pass to Jimmy Butler, but Joel Embiid, this is, it, this is, if it's a top 10 list of potential, I would put him on there. But in terms of top 10 players, I, there's definitely 10 to almost 15 players I would put above Joel Embiid. Wow. I mean, you know, <laughs> I was kind of hesitating on the Embiid pick. Yeah. That's why I bumped him down to 10. Originally, I'm looking at my list right now. I had him at 8. So that might have been very high. But I think he's one of the top 10 players in the league. I mean, he's a defensive beast. Do you see how unaggressive he is in the playoffs or his – decision making where he keeps he keeps thinking he wants to like be a three-point shooter when he he's he doesn't want to dominate the post when he definitely can all right he hasn't proved it yet so and, if if that's the case then what, what's your seven what's your 10 through seven we'll okay. drop it on me then all right so my 10 to seven number 10 is Dodgic. Okay. Num- number nine Number nine is Jokic. What? Number eight is Lillard. And number okay. seven is Harden. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, if Embiid's not there at your top 10, then who's like, who's 11, 12, and 13? Oh, you're, you're telling me to get 11, like 12, who, Who's better than Embiid then? Jokic. I mean, okay, yeah, yo, I agree. Jokic is better than Embiid. I'll get to Jokic later. Spoilers, but uh-huh. who's better than who's, that, who's better than Embiid? Then, like, why doesn't Embiid crack the top ten? If you wanted me to go farther, I would even have Ben Simmons over Joel Embiid. Wow. <laughs> well, you know that's not actually very hot take. That's I'll not a hot that. take. Yeah, it's not yeah. a hot take because yeah. people, some people do view that Ben Simmons is better just yeah. in terms of his ability to like defend. He's a very good perimeter defender. Maybe one of the best in the league. Driving, yeah. But if we're going to talk about shot hesitancy, that's Ben Simmons right there, bro. <laughs> he does not take threes. I know. I get that. For but me, like, that, that would not warrant Ben Simmons better than Embiid, in my opinion. His playmaking, his ability to drive to the lane – He's more of a performer than Joel, like consistent performer than Joel Embiid. Uh, ben Simmons is generally more healthier than Joel Embiid. Um, Joel Embiid, while playing in this the uh, 
the playoffs without Ben Simmons got destroyed. So that puts that's what I have. Okay, um, so wait, let me just uh, write it down so I have a like your list beside mine. So ten, yeah. it was Luca. Yes. Then nine, who was Jokic. it again? Jokic, the mm-hmm. Joker. Eight, you had uh, Lillard. Lillard. Okay. Uh-huh. Adam at eight as well. Yeah, that's and then seven. You had Harden. Yes. Okay, so that's a very interesting pick too because Harden, he's like probably maybe like one of the best offensive players in the game. He mm. he's he is an entire offense in himself. Yeah, and his regular season numbers are always like super inflated. Of course. So, uh, I guess we can get into Harden a little bit later, um, because. <laughs> My four through six through four, I've actually mm-hmm. got Harden at six, so okay, it's not it's not too far off from where you had him. Uh-huh. Um, honestly, I just have him at six because he's had his best playoffs to date in this postseason. I mean, mm-hmm. albeit they didn't have much success, but that's yeah. that's a win for him because his playoffs success has been kind of up and down throughout his entire career. And I would also say it wasn't necessarily his fault that they got. Oh, 100%. Yeah, if anything, more on Westbrook. It's more Um, on Westbrook, and the team wasn't constructed to, you know, necessarily beat the Lakers. They weren't going to beat the Lakers. Absolutely. AD was a complete mismatch for them. So I had Harden at six, and I also did make a note there that the fit with Westbrook is not ideal. So he could be as high as uh, four, I feel, or maybe even three in the right system and in the right situation mm-hmm. but i have him at six slotted here at five i actually have Jokic at five so let me let me explain myself here i was a little surprised when i when you said that Jokic was your ninth best player because his play really jumped in the playoffs like i mean people will make the argument that jamal murray was the that's best that's why i thought too yeah but the thing is Jamal Murray is not doing this Jamal Murray things without Jokic. Because Jokic is the entire center of that offense. It's like yeah, he is. It's like um if we're talking about the solar system here, it's like Jokic is the sun, and then the entire Nuggets offense is like orbiting around him. So that's that's essentially why I have Jokic at number five, is because number one, he's the engine of that offense. Number mm-hmm. two, he affects the game in so many different ways, mm-hmm. just in terms of his rebounding, his scoring. He looked mm-hmm. like a prime Dirk Nowitzki sometimes in the postseason there. Mm-hmm. And he's just, he is that team. Like, the Nuggets are not going to be successful without Jokic. And he's also probably one of the best passing big men we've ever seen in the league. And yeah. he is the best big man in the best center, anyway, in the league, in my opinion. Absolutely. And like I understand, he's a like like a triple double machine at the center position. Like some of his shots are unblockable. I put him like you. He is interchangeable in my view. Like he can go up to in like a five for me, a five to nine, like the, yeah. any of those spots. Um, the reason why I put him where he, I put him is essentially like at the same time, right? Despite how good Jokic is. It was Jamal Murray's play that led them to the Western Conference Final. If anything, if it wasn't for Jamal Murray, one could argue that they don't even get out of the first round. 
That's very. Ma- that's a very true statement too. Like last year, they they didn't make it past the second round mostly because Jamal Murray didn't show up in the playoffs versus absolutely and like in the moments where they were like about to um, potentially eliminate the Blazers. Mm-hmm. They didn't step up. So you could that that's definitely a valid argument there. And then who do you have? At, I believe four. At four, so this is gonna surprise a lot of people. I feel, but. I've always evaluated this player very critically because the regular season of playoff success has just been inconsistent. And I've actually got the league MVP and defensive player of the year, Giannis, at number four. That's not a surprising take. I'm not, I, uh, cause I'll tell you later, but go ahead. I'll explain myself here. Giannis, the same knocks that he had last year. Completely mm-hmm. applicable, if not worse, this year. Because number one, the 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 Bucks got swept, or but they basically got swept out of the playoffs. Gentleman sweep by yeah. the Miami Heat. They just employed the defensive scheme that the Raptors did last year and mm-hmm. did it better. And Giannis had no answer for it. So the fact that he didn't add a shot to his game, and the fact that he's so dominant in the regular season. It, it led me to putting him at four because he's still super impactful. And you could tell his impact when he's on the floor. But in my eyes, he's not, the, he's not a championship-level player right now as he currently is. And I think that's what separates my top, I guess, like four through six to top one through three. Because no. the top three guys on... And on my list anyway, I view it as guys that you want on your championship roster. You know, I'm starting to get a little worried about your list because if those are the players, I, I think you're starting to miss a few players that I will talk about when I it's officially revealed. But I think you're you're missing. I a think few I think I am too. I think I'm missing some players. But uh, how about you go through your next uh, six through four here? Six through four, number six, Steph Curry. Okay, wait. So, this is the top twenty or top ten players of twenty twenty. I'm not counting players that didn't play this year. Oh, guys, but okay, so you're not counting. I'm not counting Steph Curry. I'm not counting Kevin Durant. Oh, that changes my list. We could talk a little bit about like players that like overall, because I definitely view Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. You know, uh, not really Kyrie Irving or Clay Thompson, but. The guys that have been injured, you're definitely bringing up a, a valid point there. They deserve consideration, but yeah. I'm just like counting the players that really like played throughout the entire season here. Okay, so if if we're doing that right, what I'll do is I'll remove Curry, I'll remove Katie then, yeah, and then I will do the bump. Like so, basically, what I have so far, like the four to like the ten to six, I believe. Um, I'm moving that up, so I just need to fill out nine and ten. So basically, Doncic have Doncic at eight, Jokic at seven, Lillard at six, and Harden at five. Um, I guess for nine and ten, um, I'm gonna put. Oof. You know what? I will get. I'll. I'll give this to Jimmy Butler. I'll give Jimmy Butler ten for my. Yeah, see, that's Jim- that's why he makes a list this year, in my Fine. opinion. Fine. Because Butler- we're not counting KD and we're not counting Steph. 
Okay, Butler. Okay, I guess I put him at ten. Um, number nine, though. Um, you had Joel Embiid. I'm not putting Joel Embiid in my top ten. No way. <laughs> um, could I put Ben Simmons there? Ooh, you know what? Oh boy, he was all defense. First, you know team. what? I'm gonna put Jason Tatum at number nine. Wow! Holy, <laughs> that's that's a pretty hot take in my opinion. <laughs> I think you're just I, trying to trigger me. No, I'm not trying to trick you. I'm not trying to get a reaction because of the podcast. I'm just thinking about. I'm like, uh, Jason Tatum. He, you know, see, see, if you remember back to the regular season, Jason Tatum and Pascal Siakam were like neck to neck with like debating of like uh, one of the better. best young. Yeah, 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 yeah. And obviously, it's been proven in the playoffs that Jason Tatum um is better and jason tatum's a young young star and like uh but he also is an instrumental part of the boston celtics offense like he's their go-to guy so i would put tatum up there so i put Tatum at nine so i'll just just the re-updated list i'll put 10 butler at 10 jason tatum at nine Doncic at eight number seven is Jokic. so now it's six to four so I have six, Damian Lillard. Number five, James Harden. And number four is Giannis. Okay. That's pretty similar to my list. Yeah, um, it's starting to get similar, yeah. I, I pretty much had Luka in, like, in the same neighborhood. Uh, in terms of Jason Tatum, I will say initially that, that did shock me, but he is knocking on the door, I feel. Yeah. Like, depending on who you ask, he's probably anywhere from 15 to like maybe eight, depending on who you ask. But in my opinion, I have him around like 11 or 12. I probably am a 12, probably, if I had to think right now. Tatum's already proven more than Joel Embiid, by the way. I just want to make that clear. Like, t- hmm. like this, when you, th- I, and remember the Boston Celtics took the Cleveland Cavaliers to game seven. Remember when LeBron was uh, with the Cavs um, and it was a very, very close series, right? They, they were close to the NBA finals. Jason Tan was a big part of that. Right. So he's been proving like he's consistently gone pretty far though, be at the Eastern conference, but still that's farther than Joel Embiid has. That's true. But I also think, Jason Tatum has just been the benefit of having a better team around him and having teams that fit his style and also just better coach teams for, for one, because we know Brett Brown is not a good coach. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a fact. And, you know, he's just, yeah, like I said, he just had better teams, better coaching, better atmosphere. Like but, besides the one season with Kyrie, he's had a great locker room experience. Mm-hmm. But and, I would have to say though, like the yes, you're right on those notes, but at the same time, it's also on him. Joel Embiid does not. I, I've said this. I've been. I'm so frustrated, with Joel Embiid, because talent wise, he can be the best center in the league. When he's down in the post, no one is stopping him. Like I remember, even like when I was even this even this year when I was watching that Celtics 76ers uh playoff series, the times where the Celtics were having, I mean sorry, the the 76ers were having their run was with Joel Embiid posting up and just dominating like in front of the uh, posting up like but when he's 
doing, but he's so inconsistent and it's just a mental thing. He needs to fix that. He needs to realize, get the confidence in knowing I'm the best center. I don't need to settle for shots all the time. I'm a leader that the team depends on me, especially with Ben Simmons being gone. I have a chance to prove myself, assert myself as a star on the team. And you play so inconsistent. You play so assertive that you you don't deserve to be a top 10 in the conversation for top 10 when you play like that. Talent-wise, I will agree. He can be a top 10 player. But it's just the way he plays the talent. Like That's why like 76 fans are frustrated with him. That's why they sometimes even want to trade him, you know? Yeah. So... I don't know. Like I'm, I w- I would love to see Joel Embiid. Well, I mean, actually, as a Raptors fan, I don't want to. But like as a basketball fan, I do want to see him play to the best of his abilities. But he's not, and something needs to. I thought that you know when Kawhi hit that shot, that the next season Joel Embiid was going to dominate. The man was crying yeah. on TV, and then the next season happened. And then the first game against the Raptors, the man had zero points. Yeah. So tell me how a top ten player, like Joel Embiid, is a top ten player, but has like had you know what I mean? That's fair, but you know I, I I just put stock in his defensive metrics. Like his defensive defensive metrics look really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of his ability as a two way player, I think he's mm-hmm. ahead of a guy like Jason Tatum right now. But mm-hmm. that's definitely a fair argument, I'd say. Because uh, Tatum has had more success, and he is more—I think he is more dedicated to the game of basketball right now than Joel Embiid. But I won't speak for either of them. Uh, okay. We can move into our our top guys oh, here. So, Please uh, be right. Just before we do that, can you recap for me again your four through six? Four. Oh, from four to six. So number my number four is Giannis. Number five is Harden. Number six is Lillard. Okay, so Harden. Lillard. Okay. So, top three here. Big moment. So, number three, I have Kawhi. Okay. Because I don't want people to overblow the fact that he choked in game seven, which he did. Mm -hmm. But he showed up in the playoffs every other game. Mm-hmm. And he's still one of the best two-way players in the league, mm-hmm. and he's putting up numbers. He's had mm-hmm. a career-high assist this year, mm-hmm. and you know he can't be any higher than three after the playoffs. Like that's that's the main note I made here on my notepad, because despite everything, I think for me, anyways, when I'm evaluating the top players at the end of the year, he can't be any higher than that after blowing the three-one lead. Like there are multiple times Kawhi could have mm-hmm. taken over, but mm-hmm. I don't think you can see Giannis and Kawhi are interchangeable here in my opinion because they both flamed out in the in the playoffs very similarly. Mm-hmm. But I just view Kawhi over Giannis right now because Kawhi's ability to shoot the ball is a lot mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. So that's why I have Kawhi at number three. Ooh, at number two, again this. This might be surprising to a lot of people. But for me, it's Anthony Davis at number two. And it's weird. It's very weird because Anthony Davis on his own is not going to elevate a team to a championship like we were saying. But he's also the best power forward in the league. 
Mm-hmm. You know, he's a defensive terror. He can mm-hmm. shoot the ball. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, he's not going to, like I said, he's not going to ele- elevate a championship team by himself. Number, and number one, say it. Say wait, it. Wait, I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm not done talking about Anthony Davis yet. <sighs> so there is a caveat here with this number two spot because I feel like this year, yeah. there's not really a number two guy in the league right now, in my opinion, in terms of players that play this year. Uh-huh. Like, again, K- KD. Probably would be number two in a season where he's playing. But this year, I don't think anyone really deserves a number two spot. And I just gave it to Anthony Davis because he won the title. Mm -hmm. And at number one, I got Kyle Lowry. (laughs) Okay, I'm trolling. I'm trolling. (laughs) It's obviously LeBron James. Come on. Thank you. He just won the championship. Like, What am I going to say? The... I don't know, fucking, what's his name? Anthony Tolliver, number one? Like, I'm not going to say that. And even, like, saying Kyle Lowry is a joke. Like, that's very funny. But, you know, Kyle Lowry's not top 10. He's probably top 15 if you want to get very, like, nitty-gritty with it, maybe. Like, maybe he's 15. Maybe he's 20. But LeBron James has to be number one. And the only notes I have here is R-E-S-P-E-C-T. You know what it means to me. That's, I mean, what, what else am I going to talk about LeBron James? He, he won the championship and, you know, finals MVP. There's nothing else you can say. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you know, it's actually funny. I actually still have a little bit of surprise. Uh, I'm a little surprised just with your two and three. Um, well, let me explain something. First of all is uh, <laughs> clearly we don't have the ESPN first take uh, formula in that we don't our lists are going to end up being pretty similar it's, there's no like crazy crazy hot takes that, that are going to result in us screaming at each other um, yeah we both not have that type of show I mean well I'm, I, <laughs> I'm ready <laughs> to fight if it comes to that you know but so far we've proven to have like similar uh, reasonable takes about basketball. So um, there's not going to be much argument for me from this point. Uh, though I would say I actually have a little bit of a different top three. So I have AD at three, Kawhi number two, Interesting. and then obviously LeBron number one. And here's why. Um, yes, Kawhi choked in the <laughs> this year uh, with, in, with the Clippers. Um, but Kawhi has won two finals MVPs, two championships. Um, and you know, no, no, well, the Raptors were a good team and the San Antonio Spurs were a good team. Um, and AD did not have the players, the the luxury of the players that, um, Kawhi did in both of those teams. But Anthony Davis, when he was the bona fide star, regardless of the situation, couldn't get out of the first round. Mm-hmm. And again, I do, I do take into the fact that you know, he, you know, he had to face the Golden State Warriors. Um, actually, I remember a specific game, which you know, it was an amazing game where I Steph Curry hit that crazy shot falling like yeah, in the know, corner 
corner. Yeah, like just to just to hit the hearts of Pel- uh, the Pelican fans because I was like, wow, like he really had to do that to them. That's you a know? dagger. That's a dagger. And like with the Pelicans, like, you know, I don't know. He just, the lack of success, like, maybe was a part of my decision-making in putting yeah. him number three. I, I definitely he, understand those gripes too. Like that's the same reason why I said in my AD like feel spiel that in the, in my eyes there's no clear number two like that played this year because you know Giannis could potentially be there but he flamed out in the playoffs Kawhi I, I definitely understand that he he is legit and he's proven it in the past but this yeah. year like I'm just evaluating it off of this year he didn't really show up when it mattered and then you know AD he didn't lead his team in the past but he was able to contribute on a championship roster this year as the second. And some people view him as the best player in the Lakers, but they are very delusional. So that's the only reason why I had AD at two, but yeah, I, I have no gripes with putting Kawhi at number two because yeah. he, he is the number two player, I think in, in a regular circumstance. Yeah. Well, when, you know, it's interesting. Well, obviously I, I revised my list to just only include players who played this season um but in my overall rankings i still had katie number two yeah that's fair too yeah i I think that's very fair yeah because kd is a generational scorer as much as i hate him for joining the golden state warriors he's still i have to give him that respect like he when he's like on like Who's stopping him? Like, who can stop like a seven footer pull up right in your face? Not even Kawhi pers- stops that. Honestly, no, no. Um, and then my decision to have LeBron in number one is kind of obvious. Like the things that you said, like especially with the whole respect thing, R E S B C E C T, uh, and just the fact that like, like, and the things I've said before about the fact that the Lakers would not be a playoff team without him. And just dominance, like he is the MVP, like like he's the MVP of the playoffs, the finals, and should be the F- like he's always going to be the best player until the day he retires. Yeah, I'd have to that, agree with that. He's he's always the best player in the seasons where he's playing well. Like I said in our MVP talk um, a couple episodes back. The MVP is not always given to the best player. It's it's always like what the best narrative is because the people that are voting for the MVP are journalists or media members, and they're always looking for the narrative. So it's not always the best player winning the MVP. But yeah. LeBron James has been the best player in the league since like, I want to say like 20, not 20, like probably 2009, I'd say, or maybe 2010 or 11, if you view Kobe like, as the best player during that time, but he's been the best player for practically almost a decade or if a decade, depending on how you evaluate it. And there's no other place you put him here. I mean, if you view like statistics and um, analytics fairly, fairly high, you can probably put AD at number one. Cause he's has like very nice statistics and analytics that but can help that to have LeBron on your team, be the playmaker for you. 100% though. That's like the, the caveat there. So, yeah, you can't really make a case that's strong enough other than LeBron James because he is 
the finals MVP. He won the championship. Mm-hmm. And I feel like also like any other year you do this, like let's say you did it last year. If you don't put Kawhi number one after what he did last year, if you were doing this list last, last year anyway, then it would be kind of weird. Like I think. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up, hold up. You're saying you put you last year you would have put Kawhi number one still? Yeah, yeah, I would. No, like at the conclusion of last year's season. Yeah. When still, the Raptors won it all. You would still put you Max Kellerman. Is that you? I'm not Max Kellerman, bro. <laughs> he That's, said the exact same thing, bro. He called Kawhi the best player in the world. At that point, I think he proved it. So you believe that there are moments where, the, like those moment, the moments can like briefly, like briefly elevate you. Yeah, I think so. It's it's because you're evaluated on the season. I don't think you're necessarily like saying Kawhi is a better player than LeBron. I'm saying at this moment in this time, because you know LeBron James was injured. Mm. Kawhi was the best player in the world. I think that's a fair assessment. I don't think it's like it's, people have different perspectives on how they view players and um, um, yeah. their legacy. So having a take like that is a very strong take that would be disagreed by by some players, some people. Like I a think Steve a lot of people would disagree on that. But the way I evaluate the, like the top ten players at the conclusion of a season, I just look at what they did this season. How did they impact winning? And it's it's. Unless you know you're looking at it on a year where Andre Iguodala was the Finals MVP, or yeah. you know, like just those circumstances where it's not necessarily the best player on the championship team winning the Finals MVP, like you look at that season, like who are you putting above Kawhi if you're evaluating it in a way where the players that actually played in the season throughout the whole season? Sorry, say, say that question again. Like, if you're evaluated in a sense where, like, because KD and, and Curry didn't play this year, we don't have them on our list. Yeah. The same way, like, last season, LeBron James didn't really play the whole season. Would you still put him at number one then? Like, who do you put over Kawhi in that sense? Well. Like, that's my logic to it. Yeah, I mean... I think though, like what, what, like the, the the argument that would be made in that situation is just like the prisoner of the moment in terms of like that's true. Like you could add that on to their resume for overall stance, but that situation alone shouldn't be the deciding factor to make them the best player in the world. Like LeBron James is still alive, as far as I'm concerned, right? And he's still playing, so yeah. LeBron you know, not making the playoffs last year was due to the fact that he had the absolute bums playing with him. Yeah, and that's why I when I make my list, I always say that's the players that like actually played a lot this season and were able to like make a shot at, you know, something substantial. I'm not saying Le- like Kawhi Leonard is a better player than LeBron James overall. I'm just saying for that particular season, Kawhi was the best player overall. But not like, better, like all time for sure. Yeah. And in in terms of like the prisoner of the argument moment, that's totally fair, because it's arguable that KD should have been over Kawhi in that list, in my opinion. Because KD, if he was playing in that series, we don't know what the outcome is of that series. Yeah. Yeah. Like, 
realistically, Warriors probably would have won. So easily you can argue that the prisoner of the moment, you're only crowning the finals MVP, whatever. But we're doing the same thing here, though. Like LeBron James, he, he is the best player like if we were to this go, season. Yeah. I, well, you know, the thing is, like, if we were to do, like, literally, like, dictate, like, really have an emphasis on, like, recency bias, then a guy like Doncic would go up in the list. 100%. I put I put Doncic at eight because I want to see more from him in order for him to elevate. His season is impressive to the point where the fact that I already have him in my top ten is impressive and not enough. In second season, how, yeah, but he's got to earn his way up to get to my top three or even number one list, you know. And I think there could be a potential day where Luka Doncic is the greatest player in the NBA, but that takes time, you know. But that's why I would say, like, people who I would disagree with the take, like, having Kawhi's playoff run be the deciding factor to be like, okay, he is the best player in the world now. Because that's what Max Kellerman was saying. Actually, Max Kellerman was going to the extreme because he changed his mind on who the best player of, in the world was in that same play, playoffs. So in the beginning of the playoffs, he said Giannis is the best player in the world. Yeah, and then when the the Bucks and the the um, the Raptors played in the Eastern Conference Final, he his his take was whoever wins this series, the the best player will be the best player in the world. And I was like, what? So he's he had it was to him it was Giannis versus Kawhi, Kawhi won, and he says, I am now officially ready to crown Kawhi Leonard the best player in the league. And I'm like. Be off of the playoff uh, of the playoff series, like what? Like what are you uh, talking about? You know, I think Maxi does take it a little too extreme. Yeah. What I'll say about his take there is that he was basically saying that because LeBron James wasn't in the playoffs, like LeBron James wasn't in the playoffs, so in that moment of time, it that race was wide open. It could have been KD if he stayed healthy and he played throughout the playoffs. Yeah, I don't. It could have like been that. Curry. Can make an argument for Curry potentially, but that's why the, these discussions are so interesting to me because everybody interprets it or interprets it differently. Yeah, exactly. Whether it's like you're crowning the best player at the end of this season, or you're mm. crowning like better all time, like everybody interprets it, interprets it very differently. And just the way I interpret it is, who who is the best player this season at the conclusion of the season? Yeah. And for this year, it's definitely LeBron. For last year, for me, it was Kawhi. But that's because, granted, LeBron James wasn't there. KD was injured. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Giannis lost to Kawhi, and then Kawhi won it all. See, those those, those things, what you were saying, weren't wrong. But why can't it be framed in a way where you're saying, okay, Kawhi Leonard was the best player of those playoffs. Equate the, the, the accomplishment to the specific situation or scenario and time period rather the overall scheme of things. The problem of saying Kawhi Leonard is now the best player in the world at that time, the, like just because he, he was able to showcase that because of a circumstance like LeBron James not being in the playoffs. So I think that's, 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 that's my opinion on it. Again, what you said is right. We interpret the game differently. We have different, um, I, that's just personally how I would interpret it. You know? Yeah. The way I interpret like this anyway, 
this discussion, it's like for me, I look at it like a heavyweight boxing match, like a heavyweight title, title bout. So if it's like Ali going up against Frazier, then you know Ali wins, then he's the best in the world because, uh, well, at that yeah. time anyway, because there was only one belt. But that's the same way I look at the championship. There's one championship in the NBA, and the best player on the best team wins the championship. And I feel they should be, well, not every year anyway, because sometimes, like I said, Andre Godala, finals MVP, but he's not the best player in the world. But most of the time, it's the, the finals MVP is the best player on the best team. And in my opinion, anyway, they should be viewed at that moment as the best player until proven otherwise next season. Mm-hmm. But again, there's a million different ways you can interpret this conversation. But yeah. uh, again, it's it's very crucial for society's sake that we're able to have these conversations in a civil manner. Because if you look like at literally any other debate anywhere, people are literally like throwing throwing hands and like violence everywhere. And I hate all the like all the toxicity that comes with these types of debates because you'll have like one person just completely like saying things disrelated to this topic at all and just spewing hate. So let's just try to foster a very healthy conversation here. You know, the, the, the top 10 players are very subjective and Mm. you guys may have a different list from us, but we'd like to hear it. So that's, that's essentially what we're trying to do here. But Mm -hmm. I think we've rented on a little bit too long, but this has been a really good discussion and a great episode. We'll be sure to be back next week. Um, if there's not too much NBA news going on throughout the week, then you can expect a Jordan and LeBron debate coming in the near Ooh. future, <laughs> which that debate is even more like uncivilized than this current like top 10 players debate and best player in the world debate that we're ha- we had in this episode. So mm-hmm. it, it could get a little bit heated, but you know, expect us to bring the same energy. You know, we're going to bring our takes in a civilized and, you know, somewhat sophisticated manner, but you guys can't worry about that in the next one or potentially in the one after we'll see. Mm-hmm. But until then, this has been the NBA's most valuable podcast. Make sure you guys stay tuned on our on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and our socials for more updates. And until then, we're out. Peace. Peace.